trail of life and up to the summit to Soul Mountain. Soul Mountain is my metaphor for exploring the expedition we call life and moving through the hardships and beauties to reach our soul's potential, coming together to share story and life lessons to learn and explore self. Today, I'm super honored and hyped about my special guest, Stevie Gangra. We out here in the epic Blue Ridge Mountains in Marshall, North Carolina for a 50-hour yoga teacher training, which is sadly coming to an end because I've enjoyed connecting with you and all the lovely souls that came together this week. And I'm super inspired to get back and share what has moved through me. Stevie is the co-founder of a yoga school, Authentic Movements, which offers a variety of multi-level yoga teacher trainings. She teaches some of the funkiest flows in yoga I've got the opportunity to explore. She's a mother, an anatomy wizard, and such a gift of self-expression in so many ways. It's been a real pleasure to get to know you and meet you in person finally. Um, I'm very excited to walk the trail with you today, Stevie, and with a full heart, I welcome you to the trail. Oh, thank you, thank you, Ryan, for that glowing introduction. <laughs> and yes, it is wonderful to be here in this weird little town with all these weird, amazing people and just get it a little funkier even. So mm -hmm. it's been a pleasure moving and grooving with everybody this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, emphasized on the weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I always like to dive in with just getting real deep, Soul Mountain. So life or death. Would you rather fight to the death one horse-sized duck or 10 duck-sized horses? And like I told Aaron yesterday, these aren't just regular ponies or, or little horses. These are some stallions. So, You know, I have to be honest and say that Aaron did tell me about this question <laughs> beforehand. And I, I didn't think about it for long, but I did think about it for a little while. And despite them being stallions i'm gonna choose the 10 little horsies because a giant duck and a giant beak is just a no for me i understand it's mostly fluff and stuff but they're very quick and the beak is no so i'm going with the horses beak. yeah there's a lot of them and it's not going to be a good fight what would be your uh, plan of attack <laughs> <laughs> try to find a really big stick and just keep sweeping just around in circles because they could attack you from any side mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i love it i love it um, <laughs> So I mentioned that you're a mother and um, having children is one of my lifetime goals and stuff. So I'm curious what it's like for you to step into motherhood. Oh, wow. It is completely life changing, even more than I expected it to be. Uh, I am a very big preparer. I love reading up, talking to people who have experiences and figuring out what's coming ahead and how I can best be ready for that. And I think that's all really helpful to do when you're planning to have children. But at the same time, it doesn't prepare you for having children. Like, yes, prepare. No, you still won't be prepared. And it is wonderful and excruciating and fantastical and so challenging all at the same time. And I love my daughter so, so, so much. She. She becomes your entire world. You hear people say it all the time, but she becomes your entire world. And now I feel like, now that she's three and a half, for a long time, I was totally engrossed in her. And now it's about kind of finding that balance for me of still being able to spend quality time with her and the rest of my family, but also still remembering who I was outside of motherhood, mm -hmm. even if that's changed and morphed somewhat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine that, like you said, like you can plan for it and plan <laughs> for it and stuff, but you, you really can't 
you know, know until it, it happens and, and what comes along with it and, um, and all the beauties and expansions that come with it and the challenges and hardships of like, how do I navigate this, you know? Um, yeah, so like, what's, how do you, how do you navigate <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's go back to these beauties and expansions because you're right, there are so many aspects of my life that feel like they have expanded the ability to experience joy. I'm not a particularly emotional person, but having my daughter, I feel like has expanded my ability to experience joy, to play again, to kind of find that inner child. And that is, is everything. I'm able to somewhat experience things through her eyes and just see that even in the mundane, there is so much excitement, or there can be mm -hmm. if we make it. But where there is expansion and growth, there is often also some level of shrinkage, right, that has to happen for this balance. And it's been, it's been a challenge, if I'm being honest, over the last few years, because what has shrunk is my time to myself, my life outside of my daughter. Little simple things like the ability to just take a shower when you want to take a shower, even like run to the bathroom. And <laughs> it, especially with all the changes during the pandemic and then the changes that we made with our lives because of it, it was hard to get into a routine and it was hard to set aside time for me in a creative standpoint that allowed me space to play and create without her. And yes, I can do it with her, but there's a sensation of doing it on your own that's a little bit different when you're also trying not to make sure that she won't you know, fall off the couch and <laughs> break an ankle or something. And I feel like I'm just getting to that point, um, but it's, it's still a struggle. And it's been a lot about voicing my need for help and assistance and space, which is hard for me. I like to do things on my own. I like having control and I am able to do it, but other parts of my life are suffering, I feel like. So just being able to voice that, yeah, I need this time. And no, it's not for important emails. No, it's not for something that is an emergency by any standpoint, but I still need this time. And I'm able to take this small amount of time for myself to play and relax, whether it's going to take someone else's class or just doing something myself or drawing or writing mm -hmm. and i think that's been the hardest thing for my type a personality too is i have a limited time now as a, a limited amount of time as a mother and it can't all be spent doing what we think of as work mm -hmm. yeah finding that balance is I can imagine just a, a string line just Ooh, you know. it's surprisingly <laughs> challenging yes yeah. and some days i'm more successful than others mm -hmm. yeah and it's you know I love that, you know, children are, in my opinion, like the ultimate teacher, you know, their curiosity and like just the way they, they see that and the way you see them imagine things and play and, and then like the emotional part, I, that's something I, I'm like, oh, that's going to be, that's going to be a challenge for me is to, to understand and, and to, to learn to hold space for that. It it is. <laughs> it is. And I'm not a terribly emotional person. I, I think I worked for a long time as a vet tech at an emergency vet. So especially around situations where there is like heightened emotion or even where there's an emergency or something like that, I tend to stay fairly calm. If my daughter is screaming or crying, sure, it's frustrating and it gets tiring at times, but it's hard. I think it's a lot harder for my husband. <laughs> We see a lot of ourselves in our daughter. Again, good teacher, good reflection, right? And she's her own person, but I see my own stubbornness and I see his emotional 
level, which is higher than mine, and combined, it can make for some challenging times. Also, a strong-willed individual, um, and I know she's going to develop into her own charismatic being, <laughs> but absolutely, it's challenging now. Do you plan to have more children? Or? No. <laughs> so I didn't actually plan to have any. Okay. Um, I thought about maybe adopting or fostering later, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't plan to have any, and she was a bit of a surprise. Um, it's been a wonderful surprise. If we feel the need to have more, we will probably go the foster or mm. adopt route. But yeah, Love one that. and done as far as our own. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Um, so, like I said, you're an anatomy wizard, um, and body awareness is, is super fascinating to me. That was one of the things that pulled me into yoga was to learn about my body and the, the ways that I'm moving and, and the subtleties about it and stuff. Um, so I'm curious, like where your appreciation and passion for anatomy stems from, and and then after we can go into why it's so important in asana practice. Sure. And yeah. Well, I think my interest, I've always been a mover. I started dance and gymnastics when I was really, really little. And so how the body can move and the myriad of ways in which it can move has always been very, very interesting to me. And I've also always been drawn to the math and sciences. And I studied anatomy a lot in undergrad, but more of the prototypical, just memorize the muscles and the movements, which absolutely made it easier for me to remember things like that. But I wasn't really looking big picture. And then I got into aerials a lot, which is wonderful, things like pole and lira. And it was great, except that I wasn't feeling so great in my body. They have a tendency, and it's changing now, but back then there was a tendency to push the body to extremes. I need to achieve this shape. I need to go as deep as I can into this wild, crazy backbend while my leg is also pinned to the pole, right? Whatever it takes, I'll do. And it wasn't feeling so great. <laughs> and that led my transition into more of a mix of aerials and yoga, where I found this controlled movement. But back then yoga was definitely more fear-based and so I felt like I was falling into the opposite extreme of like watch out for your knee protect your low back do this and I was like wow here I was in a sport where we literally threw ourselves around this spinning pole trying to achieve these wild shapes now I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum of like everything is delicate and we are breakable and watch out be careful everything has to be slow and neither of them felt particularly valid to me just with my background and experiences and I thought there has to be some kind of middle ground here and so that led me to really just start questioning I had done a few teacher trainings at that point but most of them were pretty fear-based and memorization as far as the anatomy goes we just looked at some pictures memorized muscles and talked about how to protect and keep people safe and that led me to further studies and working with people outside the field whether it was physiotherapists following more modern research um, or other movers in say powerlifting fields where people are moving massive amount of weight and still not getting injured mm -hmm. that much and after studying with many different teachers and many different modalities it becomes somewhat easier to see that it's so highly nuanced <laughs> and that it truly is the middle ground and that was fascinating to me. I know that it can be somewhat overwhelming that there isn't 
necessarily a right and a wrong way to do things for some, but to me it felt quite liberating and I wanted to learn more. I wanted to understand if I want to make shapes, what's the most efficient way to do so? What sort of muscle groups am I looking at? What might be a thoughtful way to prepare them? And I started seeing success in my own body while also keeping in mind functional range of motion and things like that. And not necessarily thinking about like how to keep my body safe, but just thinking about like what made sense, what was logical, because I've always been a little creative and my creativity was a bit all over the board. <laughs> and it wasn't until I started fusing both together, my desire to understand how the body moves as well as some level of artful creativity that it really started to happen, this idea of authentic movements and what the school looks like today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Very fascinating. Um, and like, I agree with you, it's very freeing to like, and the logicalness of it, like to understand and and then go from from that place and how you, like the, the base of fear, you know? I think that's, that's one thing that people think about, especially, yeah, in, in larger like postures and stuff when people are doing things that's the one thing that I really appreciate about the 200 hour training was like starting out with the anti-fragile you know like we just you just need to know where and how to move and 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 be mindful with intention and stuff um, so yeah how does that uh, ex like expand you into you creating your funky flows <laughs> Well, uh, often the funky flows come from a sense of freedom, a sense of play, and it was that resilient, anti-fragile mindset that led me to go back to play. One thing I appreciate about aerials is that I did, I did feel playful there mm -hmm. on the pole. I felt like I could do whatever I wanted. And then I went into the world of yoga and it was like, oh, be careful, be cautious, be safe, move slow. And I lost a sense of play for a little while. And it wasn't until I started to question some of those cues that I was able to then find a bit of freedom and find some play time. And it's something that Aaron and I did very frequently, we would just have play breaks where we would brainstorm and imagine and try to move in new ways and give each other different prompts and suggestions and ideas because when you combine two brains that work very differently or similarly, it's interesting to see what comes out of those. And often, whether it was by ourselves or together, one of us would stumble upon something that felt new or interesting and we would tease apart that transition and think like, oh, okay, what else could I do from here? How could I teach that to someone? What, what elements are part of this transition from a physical side, what's happening with the joints and the muscles and what might I need to prepare or find a little bit of proprioception around, but also from a more abstract side of what might be confusing. Where will people be a little scared? How can I prepare for that? And I am a big fan of peak sequencing, whether that's a posture, a transition, or a flow. These days I find I'm doing a lot more peak flows than I am peak poses, but I'm just thinking of where, in general, I'd like this class to go and how can I provide stepping stones along the way so that we are physically, mentally, and maybe even emotionally prepared to get there, as well as a variety of options in case anyone wants to jump off those steps at any point in time. Mm -hmm. And they just, they, 
the, the playfulness and, and the anatomy and, and understanding the body, it, it, it's a beautiful balance, you know, because it, it creates, like, not, not having to, I'm, I'm big into to translating from, like, negations to affirmative, like, affirmations and stuff, and, and like you were mentioning the other day of, like, don't think about what you got to do later today. You know, it's like, don't think about pink elephants. Yeah, you, you just made about, me think right, about that. You know, you see a pink elephant, yeah. you know. So um, when you say, you know, like, protect your low back or, you know, protect your knees or whatever it is, like, that's that creates fear. And then, and then just having the understanding allows you to, to be free, you know, like you said, and to, to allow that playfulness and, um, and just get to know yourself you know, in, in new ways. Yeah. Motherhood's helped with that for sure I as bet. well. Because <laughs> I thought I was using mostly affirmative language and then, you know, you start talking to a toddler and I'm like, oh, I could, I could turn that around. So I'm mm -hmm. not saying no so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't mm -hmm. do that way. What do I want you to do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that, that's definitely helped me simplify my language and also bring it a little bit more away from those nocebos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned before, Summit to Soul Mountain is, is a metaphor for life and finding out who you are. And, uh, and there's a lot of beauty out in nature and on those trails and stuff. And more often than not, the trail is super challenging. A lot of ups and downs, rugged terrain, um, false summits. And, uh, and so with, with that being said, it's, it's the it's this opportunity of sharing those challenges that allows humans to connect deeper and understand each other more and then question, you know, what is, what does that bring to surface for me and stuff? Um, so I like to ask like, what's a, a mountain, a mountain that you have either conquered recently or are currently conquering and how are you navigating it? That's a great question. I think that we're always navigating something, right? A mountain that I'm somewhat currently navigating is just the idea of what's next from a big goal professional perspective for me because, and I've written about this before, but I had a big goal and I, I'm a big fan of, of big goals and then breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. <laughs> and our big goal was to open a retreat center in Costa Rica so that we could host events. And it happened sooner than I expected, which was amazing. And big kudos to my husband for not being a big preparer like me and being a let's go yesterday person and combining both those energies together. It happened a lot, a lot faster than I expected. And it was wonderful and life changed. And... I had a child <laughs> and then we were supposed to open a retreat center in the United States and the pandemic hit and we moved things online and then the pandemic hasn't necessarily ended but is now an endemic and we are moving back into somewhat in-person things and we've done all this work online. I see the beauty of at least partially online learning combined with in-person and I don't, I don't know what my next big goal is and I haven't been big goalless for a long time. And so that's a current muddy mountain <laughs> that I'm on. To yeah. Like no. You know, it's exciting. Right. It because I see the possibilities, yeah, right. and opportunities. But it's also a little scary because I and for one of the first times in my life, I'm kind of unsure of what I do want. 
for that big goal, even in general. So it's exciting, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary and, and very exciting. So yeah. Um, cool, yeah. And like I, I, goals, goals are so important, you know, to it's like if you got nothing to, to strive for, then maybe it can lead you to something great. Sure. You know, because you just get to say whatever, you know, I can, <laughs> I'm going to go left today, you know, or I'm going to go this way or, you know, um, but also it's like can leave you like eh, it doesn't really matter, you know. Sure. Um, so it's it's that underlying like reminder of like whatever I'm doing, this is this is why. And that's so important to have that, that purpose, you know. I, I agree. And I think different kinds of people may do better. Mm -hmm. without having necessarily these set goals. But I, I know myself well enough to know that I do better when I have these big goals. And I think that's another scary aspect currently in my life is I'm approaching this place of winding down from other commitments that I made in my professional and personal life. And so I'm approaching this place where I will have space and I will have the ability to start figuring out what happens next. And in the past, it's been like, oh, I'm so busy. I just have to get these things done. I can't think about that. I'll think about it later when this is all done. Well, it's almost all done. We're winding down the 200 and 300 hour online on demand. We will be in between events, but I've taught all these events before. So it's not necessarily a huge deal. I have small ongoing obligations, but even my work outside of yoga is winding down to some degree. And I will now have to start thinking about this. I'll there'll be no excuse, it. right? <laughs> so. mm, I love that. Um, so with that being said, and, and reflection to that, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self as a child in your 20s or even last month? Because that's something that people are, you know, it's like, it's always hindsight. That yes. It's like everything makes sense, you know, when it falls together and stuff. But in the moment, you're like, fuck, this is, you know, it doesn't make sense. So, you know. The only thing that I would say to my younger self, say at the end of high school or grad school, is to, and this does not sound like me really at all, but to trust the process and forgive myself for the choices that I'll make because I went into my undergrad studies with the intention to go to grad school and get a doctorate and finish all these things off. and. That's not what happened. <laughs> I took some time off. My partner went to grad school first. He ended up taking longer than expected. And, and by the time he was done, my life had changed and I didn't necessarily want to go. And I think back then when I made the decision to wait, it felt like a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And now I'm very glad <laughs> that it happened. But there was a lot of guilt uh, associated with that and just other decisions when I was young. And it all worked out for the best. Mm -hmm. So to be kinder to my younger self who felt mm -hmm. the need to to do the right thing in the right way in the right order according to what society said was that right way mm -hmm. yeah, i'm thinking of like your queuing of like reaching for things that are behind you and like going into the you don't know where you're going you know but it's like trusting that process and 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 then this kind of ties in with with the goal setting of like things just change, sure. you know, and, and embracing that change and, um, 
yeah, I think that's that's great advice, and everybody can resonate with that in in some way of like feeling that there is a lack of trust, or just not remembering to trust in that way, and then yeah, it just works out in these these fascinating ways. And it makes me reevaluate and really recognize like that I am content now, and that's a nice thing to to realize about yourself too, because you can go back and think like, what would you change? What would you warn yourself of? What would you tell yourself of? And I wouldn't really want to change that much. And so, yes, there are little things in my life right now that I definitely want to work on and mm -hmm. continue evolving. But in general, I am content. And I think we can forget about that because it's not necessarily this big euphoric feeling, but it's this nice mm -hmm. <laughs> undertone of just, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I, I'm good. I am happy. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, we got a couple minutes here. Okay. Um, so one question I like to end with is, um, and you can take this in any direction, um, but what does soul mean to you? Well, I'm not a spiritual person, and I don't even necessarily believe in the soul in the way most people do as being this thing that is separate. I'm much more of a monist than a dualist. I think body, mind, they are, they are one. But if I had to define soul, it would be simply this inner world that I experience, my personal reality, and what that means to me. And it's funny because this is a creativity training, and so of course we're talking about creativity, but. I think creativity is how we showcase that. We showcase our inner world, our experiences, and the spin that we put on it. And the ability to do that and to share it with others in any medium, whether it's movement, painting, art, music, that is a creative offering. And so, yeah, <laughs> that's how I would define soul. My, my inner world of thoughts and feelings and experiences and emotions that all meld together to make me, me. Mm -hmm. I love that and I appreciate that. You know, and, it's, and I like the, like the idea that you know, body, mind, soul, it's all one thing because I resonate with that. And it's, it's hard, it's easier, I feel like it's easier to imagine that soul is something separate and that for me stems from just the all of the the teachings and the societal things that say sure. you know god is is this god is somebody up in the sky or you know it's it's whatever it is and it's it's something you look to rather than looking inside and and yeah i appreciate that that internal reflection and and, and sharing that i think it comes from the anatomy background too in that when you really start to just grasp the cusp of how complex this amazing system we live in is, and you know, people think, oh, well, the soul is the brain or the mind or the consciousness, but what is the brain or the mind? It's this massive web. I mean, our, our gut has as many nerves, if not more, and we have just this massive information system that's spread throughout us, and it's all of that information that it both receives and gives that makes us who we are. And so it's just this interwoven, beautiful web that makes us us, not just this, this singular part 
or non-part. <laughs> Lovely. Um, where can people reach you, connect with you, join Authentic Movements? People can find all the information on AuthenticMovements.com, my schedule, any specific offerings that we have, an app with some shorter and longer classes, and you can find me specifically on Instagram, it's probably the easiest way, casa underscore colibri, or just Stevie Gomida, you can search. And yeah, I'm always available. I love connecting with other people who like weird creative movement. Well, I appreciate your weirdness and your stories and your perspective on the soul. And uh, yeah, this, this is a lot of fun. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining me on the trail of Summit to Soul Mountain. It was a real pleasure to sit down and connect with Stevie, and I hope you enjoyed this. If you'd like to explore the authentic movements and creative sequencing that I got to learn about, um, you can tap in through my week fun Sunday Soul Flow classes. They're online via Zoom, very accessible, very fun, and uh, I'd love to connect with you. So reach out. For now, enjoy your life and get weird. Sending love. <laughs>